welcome to Beer Cake. I am your host, JJ Co. Uh, you can find Beer Cake with JJ Co. on Anchor.fm and Spotify. I'm still waiting for the other streaming services to pick me up, pick up this podcast. I don't know why it's taking so long. But um, anyway, as soon as they do, then my introduction, I guess, will be longer because I'll be listing all of them. I don't know. I know that's too much. But anyway, you can also uh, follow Beer Cake with JJ Co. on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm not on anything else because that's just too much. <laughs> and my guest today is Nan Kuramoto. Uh, she is a comedian. Yes, Hi, Hello. how are you? Thank you for having me, JJ. So, Nan, um, is it comedian or is it comic? Because I've, I've heard both. Um, people have, like, some people have the whole reasons of why they want to be called one or the other. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just like, as long as the point that I am a funny person comes across, call me anything. Yeah. Yeah, and actually in your in their description you also mentioned jester, which is actually a very courtly way of saying comedian. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I studied theater, so <laughs> Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um uh, like um like Shakespearean theater, like theater theater. You know, all of it. I was a theater major in undergrad, so but I did found a Shakespeare club at my college, so a little bit of a nerd. But I I have a soft spot for fools and jesters. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Actually, I think in the, in the days of kings uh, and you know royalty and monarchy, uh, the court jester is also the one who can tell the king a bold-faced truth. Exactly. Right? They're the only ones who could say you're an idiot or maybe even you're a fucking idiot <laughs> and they don't get their heads cut off. Yeah, which which is why I um, like adding the word jester to my bio because I think like it specifies even more like the whole concept of telling truth even if it's like wrapped up in a joke or seemingly offhanded way. So is is that how you see yourself uh, as a truth teller? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> uh, I try my best to tell truth, but I think it's just like, you know, okay. So I don't, Let's just get into it. Sometimes sure. um, <laughs> I'll have conversations with other comedians where like they'll see my set and then they'll ask me a question about it. And like, they'll be like, I, I thought that was a joke. And I'm like, it is, but it can also be true. And I think like for me, realizing that most of my jokes are just really based on 
truths, <laughs> like things that happen in my life or things that I really believe and think versus like I have had interactions with comedians who don't necessarily think that's important, who think that like, you know, being funny is the most important thing and you can make shit up to be funny, which are like, sure. But I like, I don't think I'm funny when I'm not telling something that's true, which is why I'm like, I guess yeah. Jester seems right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, yeah, I think even in the uh, the comic field, there, there are many different kinds of comedians, right? They're, exactly. They're comedians who are more storytellers. They have these like really long mm -hmm. stories and you don't get to the punchline until like 20, 30 minutes later sometimes. Um, and then you have comedians who are just joke tellers. They just tell one or two line jokes all the exactly. way through. And yeah and um and you're a truth teller so so is it is it all is it i guess it's pretty much biographical then like if we just listen to your sets we can oh, understand yeah. everything about you <laughs> yeah honestly i have had friends who have like come to my shows and have been like you tell all of these strangers in the audience more things about your life than you tell us like <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think those of us who have, uh, you know, who do things on stage, perform on stage, whether it's telling jokes or a musician or yeah. acting. Well, acting is a little different because especially if you're going off of a script, then it's not really your story that you're telling. So that's a little mm -hmm. different. But um, but yeah, but if it, if you're a performer on stage and you're working with your own material, yeah, I think who you are inevitably comes through right in yeah. one way or another yeah yeah um i would probably say almost all of my songs are biographical i think <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think yeah yeah probably most of them yeah like for me it's just because it's easier <laughs> well, I'm like, write what I know, you know? <laughs> but that's that's where we start. So so I kind of categorize comedians under the category of writer uh, because, mm -hmm. you know, you write your own material. Yeah. And if you're a singer-songwriter, I also kind of categorize them under a writer too. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a well-known fact that writers, um, like their whole life is the material, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're friends or or family members of writers, be careful because you will end up in their material one way or another at some point. <laughs> we are watching you. We are listening to everything you say. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I love your mic. Thank you. Um, it's a regular old Shure 58, one of those classics. I just have a the oh, little the, foamy thing. The foam things on it because P's and T's. <laughs> That's right. I don't um, want to salt your ear. <laughs> I actually have this, but I never use it. I have one of these. This thing. So, Ooh, a pop screen. Yeah, but um, it just it just became too much of a an assembly thing to do this. So you know, I'm not gonna bother with it now. Maybe <laughs> maybe in future episode I'll use it. But um, yeah, those are recommended to me, but I live in a tiny apartment with no place to set, like have a setup. So mm -hmm. I'm like portable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, um, I have this extension thing, so I could probably just attach it there. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But, um, so the first couple of episodes that I did, apparently I was, you know, my mouth was way too close to the mic. And so when I was, mm. like, um, processing the video, my <laughs> my voice was, like, way high above my guest. And I'm like, okay, how do I adjust this? Um, yeah, I was going a little crazy and now i noticed that um on the mic there's this setting mm-hmm. um i'm not sure exactly what it is but i had it one way this entire time so today i have it differently so i'm, I'm gonna see if uh if the sound quality changes we'll find today. out yeah i guess we'll find out <laughs> it's kind of like figure it out as as you go kind of thing oh yeah totally yeah so uh, so how's it going how are you um I wanted to give a pause for you, you know, to give you a chance to respond before I just, because I have a tendency sometimes to ramble on. Oh no, no worries. Um, how am I? Uh, like, generally, okay. I, you know, I'm healthy. I have a place to live. I am living. Um, I'm lucky enough to have been in this like whole COVID quarantine situation with my partner and a roommate. So I'm not like completely alone, losing my mind, which Mm. could have been totally possible. Um, So yeah, I feel great about those things. Um, I also (laughs) was lucky enough. So I had been freelance for most of my adult life. Mm -hmm. And right before all of this started, like in September of 2019, I like got a part-time job at an actual big theater company. So by the time that COVID hit and I got furloughed, as everybody in the performing arts did, I qualified for unemployment. So (laughs) that was my like, uh, silver lining of wow I worked exactly the right amount of hours at an actual institution for the first time in my life in preparation to get unemployment <laughs> that, so yeah. yeah you know it really helps and um, you know and one of the one of the conversations that's, that's come up during this whole pandemic is universal basic income that's come up Mm -hmm. that's now a thing that's now in common parlance um before that i mean ubi has been around a long time i mean i think who was the first president who brought it up was it nixon or even before that um and i think martin luther king jr i think also brought it up in some form or another so it's been around um i think nixon may have done a pilot program Mm. Um, but anyway, it's been around, um, but it hasn't, um, uh, come to sort of a, a national conversation until Andrew Yang brought it up during the, during his, uh, primary, yeah. uh, run. Uh, and then now the pandemic hits and everyone is feeling the pinch and so, hey, wouldn't it be nice if something like UBI was in place? Yeah. Then, like, yeah, then people 
a vast uh, numbers of people would not be uh, destitute. Um, exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And like, that is one of the things that I just have been feeling so lucky about because in any other time of my life, if the pandemic had hit, I would have just been completely fucked. So that was kind of one of those like, wow, <laughs> the <laughs> world works in mysterious ways. Um, so yeah, that's kind of been the situation. You know, creatively, it's been a little hard because I, I really had this realization that like I just like performing live mm -hmm. like that is the most important thing to my life so when that became not possible you know I know so many comedians and like other people in the performing arts kind of made the shift towards digital programming and like making shows for Zoom and doing comedy shows on Zoom and Instagram Live and all these different platforms, which I'm like, yes, like you go find new ways to um, share your work and talent. But I just could not bring myself to where I was just like, and I, and, and I went into this crisis where <laughs> I started wondering, you know, does this mean that I don't want it as much? You know, does it mean that I don't want, I don't care about or love doing comedy as much if I'm not willing to find a way to do it on a different platform other than live performing? Um, so I like went through that whole rigmarole and I kind of got over myself eventually. I was <laughs> just like, no, I just really like sharing space with other people and kind of re orienting my focus from being like how can I keep doing stand-up to how can I make work that aligns with the reasons I have done stand-up and I still do and I want to do stand-up has been really helpful so you know I did do or I still sometimes do zoom shows or online shows if someone that I really like asked me to because I'm like yeah anything you ask me to do yes I'll say yes to um but on my end I haven't been like super proactive about like seeking out shows or producing shows etc and I have like at the beginning in March and April of last year I did like a I don't even know it's not a performance but I made these instruction plays uh, which... Yes, I saw them. You I saw. saw them? Them. Yeah, yeah. You were posting them on Instagram and Facebook, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, actually, yeah. Good, because I definitely wanted to ask you about that. So, yeah, why don't you go into that? Yeah. So that came about because I had, you know, gone through that whole mental exercise <laughs> that I was telling you about, and I really realized that the reason I have always been in the live performance space, you know, comedy, theater, was because the experience of an interaction, of sharing time with someone is something that was like a really big priority to me, which is why 
um, digital media didn't feel as right for me because I just couldn't feel that kind of connection. Like, I don't find it enjoyable to see myself on my own screen <laughs> you know like no. i i don't want to feel like i'm talking into a void um you're not one of those who like practice in front of a mirror <laughs> see if i do practice my smiles in front of a mirror it's for a hypothetical live audience you know it's, there you uh, go. <laughs> but, but i can't i'm like uh all of that practice and work i put in is being wasted on myself so yeah like I just couldn't find that um, exciting I also I I'm really impressed with like people who do live streams who can like follow along with the chats and comments that they're getting like during the live stream oh yeah oh my gosh I mean I I when I was like putting this podcast together I was debating whether or not to do, do a live stream and and have audience participation and I realized like I'm not gonna be able to like yeah. manage all those things like I I just can't figure out that balance where it's like am yeah. I gonna just barrel on through and keep talking about what I want to talk to talk about or like do, am I gonna address all of the things that people are talking to me about so i just was like none of this really makes sense to me then how can i make something that can make the kinds of interaction that i like about theater and um, comedy and live performance possible when we can't be in a space together right so then um, I was also going through this like really intense Yoko Ono phase before the pandemic. <laughs> uh, like all of 2019, I got really obsessed with the idea of her existence and the amount of disrespect and ridicule that she experienced mm -hmm. that people like to say that is related to the Beatles, but it's actually just racism and misogyny. And that kind of like mental dissonance that people have in discussing Yoko Ono was really, really interesting to me. So I had gone through this phase where I had like read all of her, like all of her work, listened to everything that she made, like, biographies, etc. And I had gotten really familiar with her work as well. And one of her most famous pieces is this book called Grapefruit, where she does, uh, where she gives instruction poems. So they're like little poems that are like, go do this. <laughs> and they're really lovely. And I was like, that is a really cool concept um, because for her, she made them, like all of her instructions are quite absurd where mm. she'll be like, go to a lake with a moon reflected on it, get a bucket and um, get the moon in the bucket, you know? Ah, <laughs> it's actually very poetic. Yes, exactly. They're yeah, hence the poem. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and the reasons she 
says she made those instruction pieces were because she wanted people to question like what is possible and like kind of think outside the box in terms of how one could perceive things and how one could perceive uh, interacting with an environment so yeah mm-hmm. um I, i'm not too familiar with her work but the few different pieces of her work that i've encountered always seemed to me she was always pushing that envelope exactly. and, and very avant-garde-ish um yeah i didn't always get it um there, there was this one song where it seemed like she was just kind of screaming and yes yeah um, and, uh, and why why I, she has a song called Why. Where oh, is that? She just screams and sings Why many, many times. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember if it was that song or if it was some other song. But uh, that, you know, just on that, I was like, okay, I don't really get it. But uh, anyway, but, you know, I, I think she's also an artist too, right? Yes, or a yes. sculpture or. Uh, she. I think she's like mostly okay. understood as like a conceptual artist. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, okay. So her thing was like, we're gonna, I'm gonna write about things that are perceived as impossible to make you wonder what is possible versus impossible and like change your perception of that, right? And I had been feeling during the beginning of the pandemic and the lockdown that so much of the conversation was surrounding the impossible um especially in the live performance scene that i am familiar with where everybody was like well we can't do this because we would require a theater we can't do this blah 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 and and then it like seeps into everything else you know where it's like well we can't eat food with our friends we can't blah 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 and so much of the conversation had been surrounding like what we can't do what is not possible blah so that kind of just like merged together for me in this way where I was like, oh, I'm going to make instruction pieces that are based on things that people can do right now with somebody over the phone to just like think about we are spending all this time thinking about what we can't do. So let's just start with some silly shit that we can. And that was kind of my motivation. So I wrote 30 different uh, instruction poems that, you know, I just put out there. Some of them I sent specifically to my friends as well, just being like, hey, you are a person that I like doing things with and this is something that i made for people to do things with um and it was really cool you can check them out on my instagram feed they're still there uh i can read a couple actually um why don't we share it on screen Ooh, hold on share There's no sound to them, right? Because they're just... No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, We'll talk about this later. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. 
what's your Instagram handle mm. again? It's Nyan Chate and Y. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 30. Yeah. Uh, any so particular one you want to share? Um, let's see. Any of them work? <laughs> yeah. So I do, like, this is Play 21. Take a walk. Spell someone's name with your path. When you get home, let them know that they're on your mind. And, well, first of all, I had hoped and anticipated that the pandemic would be not over, but our lives wouldn't be in lockdown for a whole year. So that's yeah. why I only wrote 30, first of all. Ah, uh, okay, got it. <laughs> and uh, each one of these poems are either with another person to like create that kind of interaction in space or intended to just like take note of the people you miss and think about them and then make sure to share that so yeah these are lovely um i remember when it uh, when it started appearing on my uh, my stream and um i did take a notice of it uh, but I don't think I actually followed through on any of them because I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Wait, am I supposed to do something and then let her know? Or so I was. I think and on some of them I was like looking at your comments too, or other people's comments on your post to see what other people were doing. Um, yeah, the my main intention for them was that like do with them what you will. Um, it, I just wanted them to exist for anyone who was at a loss. Because I also had a lot of friends who were just like, I don't know what to do with myself mm. anymore or right now. Because all of the plans that I had <laughs> for this year have gotten canceled. Out the window. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of just like, this is here for you. <laughs> you know, if if any of these things either just like if reading it like there are some that some people were just like that instruction made me laugh like that's great too you know if any of them made you go i i want to do that cool um i also had some friends like actually film themselves doing the pieces and then sending them to me and that really nice filled me with joy and that was kind of this like same kind of interaction that um, that I thought was unique to this that I wouldn't have been able to experience if I was doing like a Zoom stand-up show or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, uh, if I, maybe if enough people sent sent in videos to you. Maybe it could be a compilation of some sort. Um, I don't know. I mean, these are yeah. your friends sending it to you, so maybe they don't want to be like displayed. But uh, but this is this is kind of cool too. Put your essential items in a suitcase. Take the suitcase for a walk around the block. 
walk back into your home or wherever you're staying, and A, unpack like you just got to your vacation destination, or B, unpack like you just got back home from a vacation. Call a friend and tell them about this vacation. That's really nice. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, especially because now we, the biggest thing that people are saying is we can't travel. But we can always travel in our heads, <laughs> in our hearts. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm sometimes I need to because I don't know if you could hear the siren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just it, this is New York. It's so noisy. It we are in New York City. Yeah. Yep. So I put myself on mute sometimes uh, while you're talking. But uh, but well, it's it's in the recording now. So whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so you thought the pandemic was going to end soon. This is why you only did 30 of them. So um, yeah, well, it was the hope, you know, we were all hoping. <laughs> Any intention uh, of continuing this or maybe doing like a, uh, a variation of this? Yeah, maybe I think about it from time to time. And I also like it was just one of those things that when the idea came to me, it was so intense and mm. impulsive and I like crank them out in an evening in a sitting because I was just like, the, I like I need to do this right now to feel sane about what's happening in my life and all my friends' life, our lives. So there was that urgency in the, that moment for me to create that piece and sometimes because the way it was created and then like disseminated just on my Instagram that like has a following of mostly my friends mm. and sometimes I like was there a better way for me to go about it to like spread it so when it was happening, like more people would have had access to it. I don't know what the answer to that is because there was a time I was lucky enough to have a call with one of my like favorite theater critics, um, Jose Solis. And when I told him about this piece, he was like, that sounds awesome. Why hadn't I heard about it? And I was like, damn it. <laughs> well, it it's not too late, right? Of I course. mean, yeah, yeah. It's not like it has an expiration date or anything. Yes, yes. It's yeah. still here. But I think um, because the world is always so focused on what's happening right now, um, et cetera. And again, because like, I don't know if my personal Instagram page was the most appropriate platform to disseminate that on. So hmm. I like keep coming back to it, but there's also part of me that's like that piece kind of existed in that time frame. Yes. There, there's meaning. There's meaning there because it was also what you were going through. So that's yeah. part of that. Um, and what you were going through, everyone was going through, I think in the early days of the lockdown, I think there was a lot of solidarity, um, yeah. f 
feeling of solidarity that we're all in this together. Now I think that sentiment is very quite diffuse. Um, everyone is feeling something different. Yeah. And angry about different things or frustrated <laughs> or or have all but given up or you know, or just kinda numb to what's going on and it's like well salavi kind of uh thing. Yeah. I, I definitely went through a roller coaster myself, but Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, I was actually fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was perfectly fine. And um, it was, uh, you know, because as a freelancer, I was just working mainly from home anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I, I also didn't think it was going to last this long. And so, uh, but the longer it lasted, it was, you know, the long, you know, it became more clear, like, um, all my freelance clients were not going to call me for for jobs because it um many other repeat jobs depended on me being on location at yeah. uh, various events but um yeah so there whatever and and you know i i do music and i i had scheduled a live stream event in may mm-hmm. Um, so in the beginning of the lockdown, I was working toward that. And so there was something I was looking forward to. And then once that was over, that kind of, when that was over, that kind of hit me hard. Yeah. Um, and cause I didn't schedule anything else and, and I didn't feel like I wanted to do another one the same year. Cause I felt like, well, you know, why would I want to do it again with, <laughs> the same material (laughs) yeah yeah that that whole feeling of no longer having yeah anything to look forward to yeah really weird (laughs) no it's it's terrible and and i did um i did get distracted with something else and so Mm -hmm. i was working on that but it wasn't anything creative um but and when that didn't work out that that actually uh kicked me even harder (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i'm laughing about it now but but yeah so the second half of last year was like was terrible terrible (laughs) for me yeah yeah yeah. Uh, i i think when you did the music live stream and i felt this way about like all of the different types of performances that adapted onto the digital sphere I, you know, I, I am a strong believer in trying things and consuming things like content, whether I think I'm going to like it or not, just to experience everything once and then make a decision because I don't like hating things that I don't know about. But, uh, or so I, like during the first few months, I was watching a lot of like Zoom shows, live streams, comedy shows, etc. And until I hit my wall of Zoom fatigue. <laughs> but I really felt in that time that music translated to the digital space so much better than any other type of live performance so i actually started making music 
during the pandemic. And, you know, I've kind of taken a pause from that, too, because um, in the end of 2020, oh, my God. At the end of 2020, I'm like, the years are blurring together. At the end of 2020, I did also create a solo show for Zoom that we can talk about later. So I got distracted by that. But over the summer of 2020, I was like, I'm going to learn how to make music because clearly this is the only way that I'm going to be able to survive this digital sphere because I don't like telling jokes to a camera. Yeah. Um, so that was like a face. <laughs> no, that that's awesome. Um, and, you know, you and I, we talked about this before that... Um, in in some way there there's a lot of crossover between comedians and musicians yeah. uh particularly singer songwriters i think or maybe not maybe it's just musicians in general like i feel like a lot of musicians are comedian wannabes and a lot of comedians are, comedians mu- are uh, musician wannabes. wannabes. <laughs> For, sure that is a hundred percent yeah yeah um I mean, back back in my days of uh, improv, when I was taking a lot of improv classes, I did yeah. take one class uh, that was for stand up, mm. and uh, and we were supposed to, um, you know, so the instructor had each of us go up and tell whatever story, and then from there he'll sort of pick up on things and like, okay, I like that concept. Why don't you expand on that? And that's going to be your material. Mm-hmm. So he did that with each of us and he picked up on something. So I wrote it out and um, and then, you know, as we as we wrote it out and then we perform it and we keep refining it until at the end of the class, we did a class show. Um, and <laughs> I mean, the more I did it, the worse I got. <laughs> You know, you're supposed to, your material is supposed to get better, right? Uh And tighter. (laughs) But I just felt like uh, the first time I did it, because I I think I'm much more of an improv person than Mm -hmm. a stand-up person. I think stand-up, you have to, like, keep fine-tuning your material over and over and over again. Um, But for some reason, that repetitious process just doesn't work for me in terms of, like, telling jokes or trying to be funny. Um, I think I think there's a little voice in my head that's not funny. <laughs> that says it's not funny. That's it was not funnier. funny. It's not, it, it was funnier before. <laughs> mm. So you like get in your way because I, you start I, like thinking too hard about all of the. I probably you know. do, and this is why improv is like is improv. You're in the moment, right? And you're also. Uh, you're also not alone. There's a scene partner, and so mm-hmm. you're responding to each other. You know. Um, and so that kind of works for me. But of course, like music is different. Music, I mm-hmm. do spend a lot of time refining it. And, and also performing, I do it over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's something I had to get used to also. Yeah. So, yeah, your music. So is, is it just music or is it songs? Yeah, well, it's songs, I guess. So... This, I am still in the process of figuring out, like, what even my relationship to music is still. I, I just know that it's something that I want to pursue, I, but that's it. 
I I did grow up playing piano and violin, so I like understand notes and mm-hmm. music theory or whatever. Uh, so I kind of started with that bass being like, okay, I'm gonna like get a MIDI keyboard because it looks like a piano and then like play around with it on GarageBand and different dolls. Uh, turns out not as one for one <laughs> uh, as piano and MIDI keyboard. So that was like a huge learning curve, but it was really fun. And I've still been playing around with trying to like produce tracks. Uh, but then I was like, hold on. I want to be like a punk rock. Yeah, I could totally <laughs> see that. <laughs> I was like, that's my destiny. Like, I, this, this electronic stuff is fun, but I'm not feeling it in my body. And then same with like piano. I was like, it all sounds too pretty. Like, I want to like thrash around on a guitar. I don't know how to play guitar. So <laughs> I got like a really cheap guitar and I've been teaching uh-huh. myself how to play guitar. Still not anywhere near being able to be a punk rock person on it. But that's kind of been my other journey of just slowly teaching myself guitar. The The main, the big gap, I think, is that like I, like you said, I identify most as a writer. So I can like write lyrics, I'll write lyrics. And then I'll just be like, so what do I do with this? <laughs> um, it'll come to you. Just keep working at it. Because um, I, I started out as a poet. So I started writing mm-hmm. poems since uh, on a regular basis since high school. So that's when I started mm-hmm. writing. And, uh, and I kept it up through my adulthood. And in 2003, yeah uh february or march february february 2003 i wrote a poem and i used to tell the story completely incorrect uh i i I used to say i wrote a poem and i hated it so i decided to turn into song lyrics and see if if that worked that's actually not true because after years of telling this telling that story i went Mm -hmm. back to my original notes because this is when i used to actually write notes and stuff mm-hmm. and um and in my notes it said hey i really like this poem i wonder if i could turn it into a song so <laughs> so it's okay. not that i hated the poem therefore i uh, wrote a song it's because i liked it so much so the difference there is i didn't stumble onto songwriting there was intention behind it Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's a huge difference, I think. Um, but anyway, why did I get into this? Oh, yes. Um, after, so the first song, I just wrote the lyrics and I gave it to a friend and, and he's the one who set it to music. Um, mm-hmm. And after he did that, uh, I didn't actually want him to do that, but he did it to surprise me. Yeah. And um, so I had to write another song all by myself without telling him. So, you know, like, I want to be able to see if I could do this on my own, you know, both uh, lyrics and music. And so I actually did that almost immediately. But then after that, four years went by and I wrote absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then once it started coming back, then I just kept writing 
on a regular basis. So yeah, so long, long story just to say, keep doing it. Because okay. I think at some point it'll come to you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, even the words um, have, uh, the words itself has a, a certain cadence to it. You know, mm-hmm. so when you say it out loud, there's a certain rhythm and cadence and even like, you know, inflection. So, you know, there's pitch. Uh, yeah. So sometimes like that also kind of helps it become music as well. Yeah. 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 I, I think like I the music making friends of my life are more um like music making oriented than right. our lyricists right so then like i'll be talking to them and they'll be like yeah you like play around with the notes and then the words come to you and i'm like uh no <laughs> <laughs> that is not how my brain works <laughs> no but i think i think uh yeah my genesis is similar to yours yeah. you know yeah, I, I was a I was a lyricist first. So like my early songs, um, I definitely had the lyrics down first. Um, it wasn't until a- after years of doing that um, that uh, I st- actually started writing music. So um, that like the music came first. So one of the one of the songs that uh, it will be in my second album. Actually, I wrote the music for that years ago, like back in two thousand twelve. Wow. And I didn't have the lyrics for it until early last year, so 2020. Mm. Yeah. So 2020, I wrote, I wrote the song, uh, just or the lyrics, and I'm like, I need really some really good music for it, and and then I sort of went back to my, um, uh, the different music pieces that I wrote mm-hmm. with no lyrics, and I'm like that one that's it that's the perfect one that yeah like, yeah and it just just came together yeah. i you know that that's a lot of the times how i write my jokes or like how my jokes expand into bigger jokes where i'll because ultimately i'm like they're all coming from the same file cabinet you know <laughs> so they're somehow intertwined and related like they're yeah. all things that I'm trying to express that come out in different ways so I'm like be think I'll usually the way my joke starts is that I like get really obsessed with like a, a thought and I just like can't stop thinking about it whether it's like why did that person talk to me like that <laughs> or like why do I keep thinking about Cabbage Patch Kids? Um, <laughs> and, and I'll just like think about it for a long time. And then eventually I'm like, God, I'm so obsessed with this thought. Like it's clearly a bit and I'll start unpacking it. And sometimes like from there, it'll just like be its own bit. Cause I'll be like, oh, jokes, jokes, clearly. Um, but other times I will have like an idea that I, I know is a joke. Mm-hmm. but I like don't know where it fits in or like how it can be a bigger bit and then I'll like go back to like other longer bits I'm doing or like bits that 
I know that I really like, so I want to keep expanding on, um, like adding tags. And then, like, like you were just saying with the songs, I'll like go through my Rolodex and then be like, yeah. oh, this thought that I'm really obsessed with is like connected to the genesis of this bit, which means that they are part of the same bigger joke. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have like, I have one-liners, titles, mm -hmm. concepts, and also if it's a melody. Uh, so when I write music, it's basically melody and chords, and that's mm -hmm. it. Like, I don't go beyond that. My music ability is not beyond that. Um, but, you know, I'll actually do a voice message uh, and keep it that way. Um, so, yeah. So, actually, it's a bit scattered all over the place. And so oh, yeah. I'm kind of struggling to keep it all together and categorized. But right now, it's it's kind of all over the place, which drives me a little up the wall. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my joke notes are everywhere, like, in all these different notebooks, in margins of things, backs of receipts. And sometimes I'll be, like, cleaning out my room, and I'll be like, what is this scrap of paper doing here? Like, it's yeah. so nasty. And then I'll, like, turn it around, and it'll have, like, a really stupid <laughs> line on it, and I'll be like, okay, someone, me thought this was worth keeping uh, but don't so, throw it away yeah yeah, yeah. no don't, and, don't throw any of that away getting kept yeah so. exactly um you know at some point uh that could be a whole exhibit you know <laughs> all of your stupid notes <laughs> yes. yes i am always preparing for my retrospective <laughs> yeah um it's so so my first album was is um wasn't intend intended to be an album so i had been writing after about 15 years of writing songs um jody the producer i work with he's he was finally like hey um and at that time i had only been working with him actively for maybe a year or two mm -hmm. uh I've known him longer than that, but, you know, at the time, I was only working with him for, like, a couple of years. And um, and he's like, hey, JJ, I think it's time that you set some sort of a goal. Like, mm -hmm. put out an album, do a show or something. You know, you're welcome to just keep coming here. And, you know, we can work on this song or that song. But I think it'll be good for you to have a goal. And that's how... Um, my album kind of came about so we just picked like the top 12 songs of the ones that I already had written and uh, and then compiled it so it's really more of a compilation but when we were kicking around the idea uh, he threw out the word at some point the word retrospective and I'm thinking my first album cannot be a retrospective <laughs> yes. I, I haven't even started it yet <laughs> You're like, I'm not about to die. <laughs> oh, no. Well, it doesn't have to be when you're at your deathbed. But, uh, but you know, like, I'm just beginning yeah. <laughs> the process of, like, becoming uh, a singer-songwriter. Uh, you know, oh, at least in the public sense that, um, it, it, you know, the idea of a retrospective was just seemed, didn't fit. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, that's so cool. So, um, so I think we kind of touched on it. Like, what's your process? And you kind of touched on on some aspects of it. So, um, I don't know if you have like a more expanded answer uh, in terms of what your process is like. Yeah, it depends on the body of work <laughs> because so I like do stand up primarily but like I said at the big top uh, I my background is in theaters so I also do uh, solo shows that mm -hmm. are a little different from stand-up shows okay um, I like how how are they different Stand-up is, like, priority is jokes, where I'm just here to tell you jokes about things that I'm thinking about recently. And when I do solo shows, yeah, of course, like, they're funny, but the main point is to tell, like, a thorough line with a theme. And um, so it's, like, less focus on, like, set up punchline, set up punchline. But, I see. Okay. Yeah. So, so they're different structurally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Structurally different. And again, the process is mm. pretty different. I, so when I do stand up, it is like, I don't even know how to explain it. Okay. I'm going to start. I think, I think that movement itself, I think, <laughs> explained it right there. I think that yeah. just kind of encapsulates it. <laughs> that is my vibe. I will start by saying that I had been doing theater for a really long time and um, had just like always known or like believed that I was going to be some sort of performer before I started doing stand up. So I was like, like I said earlier, I did piano and like violin and I danced and I theater and like all these things that I was like, I'm going to be an actor, a performer, but, and then I went to school for theater, realized that the theater industry way more racist than just like, yeah. boring, <laughs> like lame, so much more lame than I wanted it to be. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, like I now get it. Like I see what it's about and like I still care I love theater I, I am a huge theater nerd and a lot of people when I talk about theater and like I talk about plays they think that I hate it because I'm always like shit talking it but it is because I love it and I believe that it can be so much more than it is now hmm. so I really really love theater but I was just like I need to be a more active participant in like the process of creation because before I had just believed that I was going to be an actor and I wanted to act and then I was like I don't believe anything that I'm saying like in terms of the lines mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. the scripts that I was working with etc where I was just like this isn't speaking to me and like I don't someone might say that that is my like weakness as an actor that I'm not right like, exactly doing because enough, yeah you uh, don't like, script work or whatever right exactly because as an actor the actor's job is not 
for you to believe it, but to make the audience believe it. Yeah. 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 But I was like, I don't believe it, and therefore don't think that I can make the audience believe it because then right. it's not my like truth. Yeah. And then I. Long story short, I went on. No like, wait. A driving no. retreat. No, no. no. Tell, it, tell it the long way. No, okay, no. Yeah. Tell it the long way. <laughs> we have time. Okay. okay. So, junior year of college, I went to this like driving camp so in japan we have this like whole very efficient system where <laughs> you can go somewhere and you stay like in a dorm for like a month and you get your driver's license where you just spend all day and all night like learning about driving and then wow you have your license yeah so i was sent to this driving camp and like the one that i went to was on this tiny island with nothing but onion fields <laughs> like every like afternoon around 2 or 3 p.m i think it was just like the way the wind blows but it just smelled like onion soup everywhere so this is the scene that i'm setting I went there in May for the month. In Japan, summer vacation for like school doesn't start until July. So no one was there <laughs> other than me mm. and the instructors. Uh, and there was one other girl, but she was also just like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to drive. <laughs> so I was so bored <laughs> i like other than the times where i was in driving class there's nowhere to go nothing to do no one to talk to and i was just like losing my mind out of boredom and to this camp i had brought this book called sick in the head by judd apatow that i had won at a trivia night <laughs> 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 I, I I just like it, it was a trivia night at a bookstore when you win they give you a book for free I got that book and I was like I haven't read it yet I'll bring it to this driving camp and the book is like a series of interviews with various comedians that yeah. Jed Apatow had done so while reading it like after every comedian I got really curious about their work because they'll, they'll just talk about their processes, right? And like their relationship to comedy, but it's not like they're gonna give you a sample of their jokes. So I'm, I became curious about like, okay, so what kind of jokes will a person like this tell? So then I like just, I guess I gave myself a masterclass because I would read one interview and then I would listen to that person's album. And then I would read the next interview and I would listen to that person's album and there was like, I don't know, 20 comics mm -hmm. in this book and like ranging generations. So I just like was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> I understand how stand up works now. Like, I, of course, ignorance is bliss <laughs> and arrogance. Well, so <laughs> you got the concept, right? Yeah. 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 So I was like, I get it. And I started writing 
writing jokes for myself because I had time. <laughs> Wait, so how old were you at this point? So I was, I had just turned 21. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually turned 21 at this driving camp island and I was so upset and sad because I was like, isn't this supposed to be a special birthday? And I'm here alone, just surrounded by onions. <laughs> Wait, is 21 special even in Japan? I know 21 is here in the US. Yeah, well, 20 is the special one in Japan, but I grew up in the US. So okay, yeah. I was always just like, 21 is the birthday. <laughs> And like all of my friends in America, like will text me, but I'm like, you're all an ocean away. I'm surrounded by onions <laughs> and I am surrounded by onion fields. So yeah. So I had just turned 21 and I, so, okay. <laughs> I'm like, it's really windy, but the way my university worked is that we had this thing called the co-op program where students can take semesters off of school and instead work full-time at different internships. And my school was in Boston, but I always knew that I wanted to live in New York. I was like, I am a city person. I will live in New York. No one can stop me. So I had just applied to a bunch of co-ops in New York, did not care what they were for, as long as they were in New York and that they paid me because I was like, <laughs> I can't live in New York on an unpaid internship. So I got an internship in New York and again, it really, really sucked. <laughs> I hated that internship because it was a nine to five, 40 hours a week. And guess what? They paid me $800 a month. Okay, that is abuse. Wow, that's, um, yeah, was this, what, in the 90s? <laughs> this was in 2000, 2000 okay. and 13. All right, wow, what? Wait, okay, no, you're... no, 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 I'm not that old. This was in 2016, this was in 2016. Okay, you're a lot younger than me. <laughs> 2016 that was just <laughs> five years ago yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you're like uh, half my age i think <laughs> i don't know um but yeah so in 2016 i got an internship in new york that was just like absolutely bull and i really hated it so i was just like i need to go somewhere <laughs> to blow off all this rage that I have for being made to work full time, being paid so little. Uh, and then I was like, wait a second. I have been telling myself I'm going to try stand up because I wrote all these jokes over the mm. summer <laughs> um, at my onion fields. So I went to an open mic. <laughs> I was like, where better to start doing stand-up than in New York? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Open mics, yeah. Yep. So I went to an open mic, and I did my first set, and I was like, this is what I was put on earth to do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, it sounds really grandiose, 
<laughs> it it sounds really um, grandiose and arrogant, but it was just one of those things where, like I said earlier, I had always believed that I was going to be a performer, but I had tried all of these different types of performances, and I was always like, okay, I get it. This is fun. I do it. But uh, doing stand-up was the first time I was like, okay, <laughs> this makes more sense to me than anything that I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Like, it, it just made sense. And this is why I say that probably my joke writing process is not, like, clear-cut or helpful. <laughs> Because, like, I I have just been, like, this makes so, so much sense to me. And this is how I do it. Where, like, I will I will talk about my joke writing process. But sometimes I, th I think about how, like, in high school, I'm, I was not good at math. <laughs> or, like, I didn't care about it that much. So, and I had a teacher who was like really, really smart, clearly. Like she was so intelligent and brilliant. And she would explain things and then be like, yeah, this is how calculus works. And I'll be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did that number turn into a different number? Why are there letters? Like, <laughs> but she was just like, of course all of this makes sense. It's math, you know? Yeah. And sometimes when I talk about the way I write jokes, I, people are like, but you didn't tell me how a joke is a joke. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that I can exactly describe my process either, other than... These are some of the things that I do. Yes, and, then, exactly. and then somehow at the end of it comes this song. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know where it comes from. Yeah. I'm like, it, you know, it just makes sense. Yeah. Sometimes these combinations of words, I just know sound really funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the way... I came to stand up and the way I still do stand up where it's really like I'm just on <laughs> when I am in the zone of making and telling jokes in a live space mm -hmm. and it feels good and like following those impulses of like this feels good and I'm going to keep like pursuing that feeling in this mm -hmm. moment will usually lead me to like a tag or a joke. And I will, okay, I also have to mention that I am a little bit of cheater because <laughs> um, my family is from a region in Japan that is very famous for creating comedians uh, okay and my dad writes uh, is a comedy writer in Japan 
okay so i grew up surrounded yeah by comics. like yeah my parents talk in bits <laughs> like, yeah okay the way we yeah. communicate is jokes so that is definitely another aspect of it well i wouldn't i wouldn't call that cheating i would call that uh just that's how you were nurtured so that's part of your environment and yeah. Uh, oh yeah there i mean environment has huge influences it mm-hmm. wasn't until like um i actually started writing songs i found out that uh my father used to arrange music in the church choir mm. so yeah and so um and um and i didn't know that and and when i found out he had already passed away many years before that wow. so it wasn't like i could then you know asking him about it but you know but it's just that little bit of information and my mother you know always liked to sing and and stuff but um but for me it's not it's not it's not it's more about the creating of songs not so much the singing i'm not a really i'm not really that good of a singer not really <laughs> i think anyone yeah you are no. great no no uh you know because <laughs> it, it's like the singer songwriter you know i call myself a singer songwriter the singer part is only because i sing my own songs and and Really, that's all I can do. I can sing my own songs. I can't really sing other people's songs. <laughs> and that's what matters, you know, because they're your songs. You're going to yeah. sing them the way they're meant to be sung, which is how you sing them. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, but I think that that does have a huge influence is, you know, what we're surrounded by definitely yeah. influences us. So yeah. it's not like your parents sort of pushed you in that direction. <laughs> No, in fact, they were like, why? <laughs> they were like, damn it, we messed up. <laughs> we shouldn't have been bantering in front of her. <laughs> yeah. uh, why is funny so natural to our child? <laughs> uh, we should have taught her to be serious. Yeah. Because, like, that was always my vibe, you know? Like, yeah. I. I, I was always an inappropriate laugher. Like I, <laughs> like laughing at funerals inappropriate? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. You know, at, as a kid, things like silence or just the idea that everybody, everybody in a room just decided that they were all going to be quiet together uh-huh. was so weird and funny to me. So, like... I would be laughing at like math tutoring and like a class. I just like crack up in like when things were not funny, but like they were really funny to me. Um, like always... spon- like spontaneously laughing in the middle of class. Yes, like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, cause like no, I totally get it. I think I think I was just like. I just like to have fun, <laughs> which sounds really stupid, but I think I've always, I have always looked for like the funniest thing in a space. Like yeah. that's how I entertain myself um, or like even focus on a situation because I, I'll be like, oh, um, you know, in a class I'll be sitting there and I'll like, 
I can't even think of like a good example, but I'll see a kid like sitting some in a row where like the way his ankles are like situated look really weird. <laughs> right, right. And and then I just like won't be able to stop thinking about it. So like I'll crack up. Um now so when you're when you're laughing, are you laughing at that or are you laughing at something like does your mind then associate that like sort of free association and it wanders and it lands at somewhere that's funny? Or is it that thing itself that you're laughing at? It depends. I think it usually is more like it's less that thing itself, but like all of the things that shoot out of it where Right. It like might not just be like association, but I'll be like, doesn't it hurt? Like, why can this kid look like he's focusing on like whatever the teacher's saying when his ankles are bent like that? <laughs> and then I'll be like, and then I'll think about how I'm thinking about that. Like those kinds of like thought loops usually make me laugh i and like that's still true today where it's like the sudden objectivity yeah from like a specific emotion or experience is what's like really funny to me which is like why it's again like how i cope with emotions or experiences because like yeah. i'll be like really really angry about something yeah and then i'll be like it's kind of funny. Funny. That yeah. I'm like really mad. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm someone who who believes that everything, literally everything can be funny. There, yes, there, yes. And there is absolutely nothing that you cannot make a joke about. Uh, mm -hmm. even, even the most horrible thing. I mean, of course. Yes. It has to be done well, otherwise it's just a crude joke or a poor taste. <laughs> but, you know, the most horrible thing you could think of, you could make a joke about it. You know, there's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, yeah, I, I just think every, like, there's no reason not to find things funny like right i'm always really confused when people are really serious <laughs> i'm just like but why you know <laughs> like there's mm, there's no point in being that serious like i well, get it you know we all need to like focus sometimes but there's a way yeah, uh, like I'll crack jokes during interviews and then realize that it was not the thing <laughs> that they were looking for. <laughs> I remember there was this one time that I um, had an interview for a job that I was like, I would love this job. And it was for like a TV network. I and during the interview they asked the classic question of like where do you see yourself in five years i hate that question and i was like yeah. yeah first of all i don't know okay we didn't even know covid was gonna happen in the next yeah. five years <laughs> but i looked at the person interviewing me straight in the eye and i was like famous <laughs> clearly that is a joke like 
is there truth in a joke? Yeah, there's truth yeah. in every joke. But also, like, I didn't mean it like that. But, you know, we're here. I'm interviewing for a position at, like, a TV network. It's because I'm interested in making TV shows. As a as a comedy writer or? Yeah, yeah. See, I think in that setting, you could, I think it's perfectly appropriate to make jokes. I don't know. Exactly. That, that was my uh, other thinking, you know, where I was like. Yeah. Now, if you were applying for a, you know, a position at a bank, that's different. Yeah. Then maybe you shouldn't joke. Oh, <laughs> uh, and it will make Although I have. even more. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> I I think I can probably say this, and it's probably true. Like the more uh, guardrails there are for you around you, you probably want to just break through them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like, yeah. You know, I'm like, I want to tickle you. <laughs> I want to yeah. know what you look like when you laugh. Um. But that must get you into trouble a lot, though. Yeah. <laughs> the whole personal space thing. I think. Well, not not physically tickle. Oh, I, I've made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I will. I want to tickle people emotionally, but that will also get me in trouble or just like awkwardness because people would just be like, why would you say that? <laughs> I remember I was um, how old was I 13 14 or something like that it was like early teens so um, and I was in a we were all in a in a van a, a, a church church van full of people we we're going somewhere I don't know I think it must have been the winter because they were pumping heat mm. in the in the van and at some point, oh, and you know, in the winter when you, when when it's uh, heated inside, then the glass, uh, the windows fog up, right? So it gets like nice and frosty and everything. And I was thinking about that, and all of a sudden I started laughing, and um, the person next to me, she was a little older than me, uh, asked, um, "Oh, what's so funny?" And I'm like, "Oh, I just thought of something funny." Oh, yeah, tell me, what is it? And I'm like, I don't think you'll understand. <laughs> and so she, but she insisted. So I, I told her, and this is what I, where my head was. Um, we were all in this car, a bunch of us, and heat was pumping through and it was steaming the window. And I was thinking, oh, it's steaming. So it's almost like we are being steamed. And it's like, we're in this metal container being steamed kind of like you know when you can stuff like food right <laughs> so so it went from there and i just was thinking like oh steamed people yeah you can find that in the grocery aisle or something like that <laughs> so so that's kind of like where my head was yeah. so i was trying to explain that to her and she just didn't get it she's like what steamed people what does that mean you know like steamed vegetables that you get like you know at a grocery store yeah like, well what does that have anything to do with us and I'm like oh forget it <laughs> like sorry this this high concept art is just not for you <laughs> yeah yeah no sometimes it's it's because it's always the 
dumbest stuff especially in life yeah where like in college i had we had a professor who wore tights every day of the year and she wore like navy and like dark gray tights during the fall and the winter but then she would start wearing white tights when it became spring ah wow like clockwork yeah like that (laughs) wow yes and i that's funny (laughs) found that so funny that like I, i was taking our class during the spring so it was like from january to uh may right yeah so like in the middle of the semester she switched to white tights and literally like and i was sitting like at the seat that like directly faced her so i could see her legs and i just like sat down and i noticed her tights were white and i like lost my mind (laughs) 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 i just couldn't stop laughing and my friend who was sitting next to me like we shared that humor so she was also laughing (laughs) (laughs) and and the professor but we were like trying really hard not to laugh not to laugh (laughs) that's worse (laughs) so like the two of us were just like like coughing (laughs) and like sneezing in the back but there was just like no way to explain that like her tights are white today (laughs) (laughs) everyone's like so what (laughs) um i remember at some point when i was little i would actually i think i planned out what i would wear for the week and i would wear the same thing like so every monday wore one outfit every tuesday Mm. wore another i think i did that for a while i don't know how old i was i think it was Mm pre-teen when i did this and um yeah so if you only saw me on tuesdays (laughs) you look like you never changed clothes (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) um i don't think that lasted very long i think i only did it for a few months or something (laughs) But the tight, your tight story actually uh, reminded me of that. <laughs> now yeah. I just wear all black, so I don't have to think about it. It's just it's a good move. Yeah, my yeah. my roommate in college is that way. She's all black. Yeah, all I don't want to have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Although there are different degrees of black too, you know. So then what you have is so you're not focusing on color. So you know if it's all black, it always matches. Uh, but then there are different materials, different yeah. cuts, different styles, like textures, like textures, different textures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, so there's that. So there's there is some thought put into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um. So that was. So it was at the driving camp. That's mm-hmm. when you realized that this is what you want to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. When I did my first, like when I tried it for real for the first time. That's um, right. That's York, right. That's okay. when it would like really hit me. At driving camp, I was just like, I need something to do. And of course, like I was kind of going into that mindset of uh, 
in theater, I wanted, I knew that I wanted to like write and create more than just be an actor because I was like, mm-hmm. well, if there are no roles that are written for people like me, then I guess I have to write that. And I did notice that whenever I would try to write plays, they would mostly be jokes. <laughs> so then when uh, I like was at driving camp, I was like, oh, I guess like just focusing on writing jokes instead of trying to turn them into a play is an option that I have. Mm-hmm. And then actually doing stand up um, when I got back to the U.S., was just like yeah yeah <laughs> i mean judd apatow is one one prime example where you know he does stand up uh but he also you know writes a whole bunch of screenplays and shows mm-hmm. i mean that's that's kind of he's more known for that more for yeah. the writing part than than his stand-up totally. yeah yeah so so there are definitely like different things that you could do but but i think uh from at least from what i heard you say today it's really the stand-up itself, that experience, being on stage, telling jokes in front of a live audience. That's the thing that you love the most. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I, I do write screenplays. I, if, like, I'm like if anybody is funding things right now, I have pilots. I have uh, web series. I have scripts going on. But I have said this for a really long time and still maintain that I do like I am really interested in creating works for television so as to be able to fund any live performance that I want to (laughs) do because live performance is fun does not pay a lot Um, so I'm always like I want that TV money so then I can be unstoppable in the live performance world. Yeah. Um, uh, what's her name? Bamford. Maria Bamford? Yes. Oh, yes. Do you know her story? God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Maria Bamford. Like one of the biggest papers I wrote in college was about her TV show, Lady Dynamite. Yeah. I love Maria Bamford. She's Which, like, do you know the story behind that? How, how that got started? So she was in, you know, she was in L.A. doing her stuff, mm-hmm. you know, um, she was doing stand up and she was having bit parts in the show and that show yeah. and that sort of thing. And then at some point she had a nervous breakdown. Uh, yeah. She totally collapsed. And then so she, she decided to just go home. And so while she was home, she created these like videos, just, you know, she created different characters and and put it on YouTube. You could probably uh, look for it on YouTube. It's there. Uh, she so she she just kept doing it while she was convalescing, you know, recovering from her breakdown. Yeah. Um, and then um, Netflix uh, saw it and decided to, uh, you know, it's like, hey, we would love to give you a show, you know, based on you know these things. And so yeah, so I think the show itself, Lady Dynamite, is loosely based on that experience. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So, hey, so what you need is a breakdown, nervous breakdown. <laughs> oh, I have many of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think uh, 
I I once a uh, long time ago. Um, this is like mid two thousands. I was really into like self improvement, self development, that sort of thing. You know, mm. self help. You know, stuff. And so there were these like um, training courses and things. Uh, and one of them, the the trainer. Uh, I don't remember anything else that she said except for this one thing. Uh, th- that was my takeaway: is that <laughs> people think, uh, you know, people think like, uh, you know what? I don't remember what the preface was. Basically, the conclusion is that uh, he thinks that we don't have enough breakdowns. That you know that we should have more breakdowns. Like you know, every seven years or so, we should have a breakdown. <laughs> Every seven years, that is too infrequent, um, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> I think though, uh, I think creatives, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, creatives are a little different because I think creatives are wired a little differently. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, every seven months, maybe. <laughs> that seems more on schedule. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, kind of funny like when when i used to have a corporate job um i would go through years of um you know during the week you're in the office you're working 40 50 60 whatever hours a week and uh and then on the weekends it's your time right and you know and and uh the conversation around the water cooler was like oh how was your weekend my answer would always be the same it was quiet and uneventful and that's how i like it (laughs) i because that's when my breakdown would happen like during the week do what i need to do at the office and on the weekends like i'll veg or do nothing or you know go into my cocoon and then you know on monday okay I, i go back and yeah so yeah, yeah, I guess I had one every week if you want every to count se- that. Every seven days. <laughs> every seven days. <laughs> but there yeah. were many there were many breakdowns. <laughs> yeah, I mean like like I said, you know, I also have made solo shows and that process is more like a whole break a seven month long breakdown mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that culminates in a script somehow where wait okay so you're breaking down for seven months and at the end you have a you have a screen uh, a script or basically okay um i i come up with like an idea where i'm just like i know that this is a solo show and then i spend a month crying about how I am not a good enough writer to write a whole whole play. And then, <laughs> so that's like the stage one. And then, <laughs> and then month two, I'm like, okay, I can, I can write like pieces of it if I tell myself that they're also like little bits. And the nice thing about writing solo shows is that they can be broken down into like chunks of monologues Mm -hmm. instead of having to think about dialogue right then i can like tell myself okay here are like the different topics that i want to hit on 
And if I was going to write like a three minute set about three minute bit about this topic, then how would I write it? So then I'll like spend a week kind of obsessively writing, like cranking all these things out. And then the week after that, I'll reread it and tell myself I hate everything I wrote <laughs> and I'm the worst writer in the world and it would be an offense to everybody to have to watch this on stage. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I just like sit in that space for like a week and then I reread it and then I'm like, okay, fine. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being a little hard on myself. <laughs> and then I like edit things about it again. And then I like finally get like something that's kind of cohesive that I could pitch to people. And then I make the mistake. I do this every time I make the mistake of making my partner read it. Uh. And then I spend another week saying, you hate me. Every <laughs> you think I am untalented. You feel sorry for me. And they're just like, I think it's good. And I say, you're a liar. <laughs> um. <laughs> now, now, he knows this about you, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so he's not gonna take it personally when you call him a liar. No, no, no. Yeah, they're like, oh, there she goes again. Yeah. So then, then the next week, I go back, and I say, okay, you were right. <laughs> the things you said were good. I guess are good. The things you said I should fix, I fixed. Um. And then usually I bring in like another person who is like not as like a friend that I care about enough to not be a crazy person towards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so not that I, I care about my partner too, but in a different way. But um, so then like then that friend will read it and they'll give me notes and then I'll be like, okay. Finally, I had like a person that is like not me that read it and like didn't hate it. So it's like ready, <laughs> ready for me to be a little more okay with it. So, um, um so the person who's, uh, so your friend who's not a part, uh, your partner, that friend, um, are, are they, um, do they know enough about writing, like, whatever? Yeah, yeah. I usually <laughs> um, ask my friends who are, like, dramaturgs. Okay. Or other playwrights. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you want that critique. Because, like, somebody who's not uh, familiar with that kind of writing may not be able to give you constructive criticism. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then I'm like... I respect your opinions. You gave them to me. Now it's 
a thing that like then that's like the first draft you know <laughs> and then i like start tweaking it and cleaning it up and um submitting it to festivals etc mm. <laughs> but as you heard 80 percent of my process is freaking out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alone yeah. at myself at my partner but but that's yeah but so that's that's part of your process so i think um what non-creatives may not understand is uh part of the process is emotional um and uh you know like you may not be writing down the words but as you're going through these emotions you are in a sense kind of writing um and um yeah i i think it's it's you know there's a lot to be said about that in terms of um you know when i write songs like i have to be in a certain mindset um and i haven't really given myself that kind of mental emotional space uh the latter part of 2020 so i haven't mm -hmm. written anything in that time i am sort of now kind of coming back into that for some reason i find like the springtime like the first half of any year more productive than the second oh. half i don't know why totally yeah why is that <laughs> is it the sunlight know. like shortening of days that's just kinda honestly like... that probably is like and it's like birth season <laughs> you know like everything is blooming and it's like yes so is my like soul and brain yeah no for me may and september are the most productive so only i love two months out of <laughs> yeah um well may may is my birth month so me i always oh, really wait are you a gemini i'm a taurus you're a taurus okay so you're yeah. earlier may yeah i'm like yeah but but actually um i actually have a friend who does the whole ast astrology chart mm -hmm. I, i'm not a I, I don't really believe in astrology or anything like that but but i you know it's it's a curious topic so yeah. um i have a friend who studied that whole thing and she was like i, I want to do your you know your birth chart i'm like okay so she did it and um so i have a very strong taurus uh component mm. to me so so uh, you know very often i act like a taurus and not so much like a gemini mm. so i guess yeah Brown. well there you go you <laughs> whatever <laughs> but uh but yeah going back to your process i think I think that that is part of uh, your creative process is going through those emotions. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. And for me, it, it clarifies what is important about what I'm doing mm -hmm. because I really care about the why of pieces. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Like, if if I'm like watching something or reading something, and and I don't see like the why, that's like other than that this person wanted to and could, yeah, um, it doesn't really speak to me. So 
then of course I don't want to be a hypocrite. And, you know, a lot of the times there is this like impulse in me as a creative person who is a slave to capitalism, who keeps like being fed this idea that we need to be constantly be creating and putting out work into the world in order to be relevant or to identify as a creative or whatever you know there's all these like thoughts yeah. that are just like i need to be doing something all the time and i need to be posting on instagram and like telling everybody how great i'm doing yeah. um that's that's sort of the more the business side of being a creative because we feel like <clears throat> if we don't do it then what good are we <laughs> yes yes yeah so then there are times when like i'll have ideas of something that i'm like that'll be fun but it and 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 these are all four different things like for example a sketch i don't really care i'll write any sketch and it's more like a mental exercise for me to be like mm. okay what can i write that's two to five minutes long that's funny that's on this topic or whatever so like sketch writing i'm just like the point of a writing a sketch is for a sketch show that I'm doing. Um, same for bits. Um, they're more like I'm doing stand up because I like doing stand up, and these are truths that I need to get out of my system um, to continue being a functional person. So those are the whys for me for those mm. things, especially because they're like a smaller scale that, you know doesn't affect a lot of people <laughs> but from, it's, it's like whatever you know these 10 people who are at this comedy show um they'll either laugh tonight or don't and i'm yeah. not gonna change their life um but i think for i still i still feel a sense of responsibility when i do stand up too because i think that anybody who stands on stage speaking into a microphone has a responsibility to their to, audience say yeah. words that count yeah um but i think because i already feel that on like a two to five to 15 minute level when i write a whole solo show that is an hour to 90 minutes i am like i can't ask for 90 minutes for someone's attention if I don't mean everything right. I'm saying. Right. So right. then often like that sense of or like that pressure that I put on myself to like keep myself to hold myself accountable for the work I make will like get ahead of me. <laughs> so then it'll paralyze me because I'll be like, oh, I can't write anything. Uh... So then it's like that like crisis up and down that I go through over the course of writing it is a lot of just me like finding the balance going back and forth between the part of me that is like okay I need to make sure that I mean everything I say and every word that I say counts mm -hmm. and then the other part of me that is like <clears throat> fucking right <laughs> just get out of your head just spit your spit everything out onto a piece of paper and then we'll figure it out later 
so like those two parts of my brain just like, yeah kind of fighting yeah 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 and i think yeah it's definitely a balance um and um and you know i mean you you probably heard you know um other artists talk about their process and and sometimes all it is is every day write for an hour write for 10 minutes whatever it is write one line whatever it is and you keep doing that day after day and it becomes a habit and, and sort of and you kind of get into that so you could put yourself you could um that you don't have to wait until like it comes to you or you're inspired to do it but by doing so you're ingraining that process into your body and and so it becomes more automatic and in the process like some of it may be good most of it will be crap <laughs> oh totally like yeah i write every day like i may i do write every day but if you <laughs> look in my notebook there are pages and pages of where i'm writing about how i can't write yeah and <laughs> i'll just be like i have nothing to write about today but i have to write today because i haven't written today yet and so i'm gonna keep writing words until something comes up to like those those days exist <laughs> yeah 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 i i still think back to like it was a couple of years ago i think maybe it was 2019 i started writing these 100 word stories and i really enjoyed writing them uh but at some point and i meant to do it every day mm -hmm. or at least every other day or something if I, if I if i skipped a day it's okay i will just pick it up the next day that kind yeah. of thing but that one day skipping became two days and became five mm -hmm. days and became a you know it's just yeah. kind of like at some point i just had to say like okay i guess i'm not doing this anymore but but then I feel like I am still doing it. It's just that yeah. I haven't put anything out there yet. And so at some point I have to put out the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like for daily things, just to keep, get myself going, keeping the stakes really low yeah. is really important to me because if I start being like, like, you know, have a 100 word story or like, even if I told myself that I had to write, one joke at least until I could stop writing I would never <laughs> because I would just be like well what if I can't write a joke today versus like just being like I don't fucking care what it's about <laughs> just sit down and write for 20 minutes and that is all I have to do today to feel like I did something mm -hmm. um, it has been really helpful and getting me to like get out of my bed <laughs> yeah i think i think you you really touched on something there that uh the bar uh you know has to be low enough that it is achievable <laughs> and i think that's yeah. sort of what stumped me is that um when i started it it was fun but at some point i felt like oh that it has to be just as good as the one before or like yeah because like and I, I sometimes impose all these rules on myself, like, okay, not, not only is it a hundred words, uh, but uh, I want there to be some sort of a point that I'm trying to make. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. why can't it just be a hundred words of what happened? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm trying to make a point. And I'm like, so I have to think of what is the point of this story? And like, no, just tell the fucking story. <laughs> yep, yep, yeah. Yep. So, like sometimes 
I will, and even for sketch, because I, I am in a sketch group, and often we or like we have been doing fewer shows since the pandemic, but before we would do like a show a month. So then like every month we'll have to like pitch, write, edit, book, process, and it's like a pretty quick like process, and sometimes. I will just the thought that I have to write a sketch <laughs> will take up so much time mm. from the actual time that I could be writing the sketch. So I'll just like spend days being like, I have to write a sketch. I have to write a sketch. There's a sketch I have to write. I have to write a sketch. And I don't. Have to... And then I'll sit down and I'll write the. Sketch in an hour. I'll write it in one sitting, and I'll be like, "Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I do that two days ago?" You know, <laughs> because you weren't ready. So th- here's a metaphor that I love. So uh, you know bamboo. Mm-hmm. You know how it grows. Yes. Yeah. So so for those who are listening, uh, if you don't know, uh, so bamboo will spend I don't know if it's months or years. Um, but it'll just spend all that time. Like, you don't really see it growing above the ground, but underneath the ground, it's shooting down all its roots, creating this network of roots, uh, you know, so that it could really, you know, suck up the nutrients and water and all that stuff. And in a matter of days or weeks, it will shoot up like 10 feet or something like that. It was like ridiculous amount. So, so that's kind of... Um, I, I think that's an apt metaphor for the creative process. So sometimes like when it's not obvious that we're writing, but we are, we are in, in like some aspect or some step in the creative process that we're doing, even though we're not actively writing things down or, you know, or me playing on my guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. for me, really coming to terms with that, saved me from a probably deeper Mm. COVID-induced depression that I could have fallen into. Um, Where, because I remember at the beginning of all of this, everybody was like, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during the plague. Yeah. (laughs) What are you going to do? You have so much time that you never had before. What are you have to use it to make things and like that just and, and one facebook ad after another about some class or some yes whatever and i'm like fuck you i don't need this <laughs> everyone was suddenly like we yeah. have to be the most productive and right. creative that right. we have been in our entire lives yeah and i was just like no yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I have like in another way I have never had this much time to not be productive <laughs> and creative in my entire life. And I would like to experience that. And mm-hmm. I want to know what that feels like. <laughs> and I And I told myself that will be important to me (laughs) in my future creative processes. 
So kind of just like letting go of that need yeah. to be constantly creating and also like unlearning that stillness is not necessarily lack of productivity was really important. Yeah. Sure. I, I think um I think it's sort of um oh shoot. I, I I was making a I was about to make a brilliant point. Now I forgot. Oh no. <sighs> oh yes. So I think I think for a creative person, uh that uh everything that we experience, uh highs, lows, productive periods, I'm doing air quotes productive periods and not productive periods because you know some of some listeners will be on audio only um that none of it like just like the scraps of pieces of paper that we have scattered throughout our apartment uh that none of it is wasted that all of it feeds or fuels some future creative project um yeah, so I think yeah, you're absolutely right. So so whatever you went through during COVID, uh, is gonna come out in something that you're gonna do. Yeah. Just the like bamboo. bamboo shooting up. Yeah. Twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty five. Whatever. Yeah. 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 I'm hoping. I, I believe it. I believe it you know and and i plant seeds and and i like telling myself that planting seeds is uh enough of a beginning you know instead of just like being like i'm gonna plant the seed now and then i'm gonna fertilize the shit out of it and then make <laughs> it grow as fast as possible <laughs> you know like and and that is the rhetoric you know we are all taught that like that's the only way to be yeah but Uh, too too much fertilizer can kill the seed yes exactly so (laughs) i'm like i'm 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 trying the organic route (laughs) i'm trying the organic route this this year yeah yeah i i think yeah Sometimes it's hard to know, though, when to push so that you can, you know, get across that threshold and and have that breakthrough. Uh, Because sometimes you do need to push yourself just to like, you know, and then and then there are times when you you really do just need to let go and uh, and just kind of kind of go uh, with whatever comes. Um, And sometimes it's it's difficult to know. And this is, I think, where a lot of the sort of, like, self-talk comes in, where, like, oh, you're not doing enough. What are you doing? You should be writing. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. should be doing this. <laughs> totally. Which I think, like, that's why being able to identify that May and September are productive months for me has been really helpful because, like, during the summer or, like, in the winter months, I'll start feeling really insecure about not being crazy busy Mm. but then i know that (laughs) when like i'm in that state i'll 
like start in that insecurity i'll start like dipping my toes in a bunch of different projects or like telling people that i can help them with something or all these things and then in may and september when i start getting like when my personal projects start picking up i choke myself because i had like I believed that these months won't come, so I had like spread myself super thin. Oh right, okay. To try to like create this like insurance that I'm gonna have something to do, um, and then it used to be this like negative cycle where I would only be able to give everything like eighty percent because I create this trap for myself yeah by being nervous when i'm not as busy versus when i know when things are coming i instead of feeling restless in like december or in august i can space my time out better Mm. or like space out the rhythms of my life to be like okay these are the things that I believe that I can comfortably 100%, 120% of my attention to like during this time frame. Um, which, yeah, you know, maybe to some people doing 10 projects at 80% is more impressive than doing five projects at 100%, but you know it's just like reorienting priorities for sure yeah and and i don't think one way or the other is necessarily right or wrong you know i think exactly. it's yeah it's it's whatever whatever helps that person you know uh, accomplish whatever they wanted to do um yeah so you know again it it took me 15 years to put out one album <laughs> And you did. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, um, who knows? Maybe it'll be another 15 years until my second album comes out. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. If Jody's listening to this, he'll be rolling his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you take as long as you want. <laughs> Jody's going to say, I'm a bad influence. <laughs> um, but um, but kind of going back to how you, um, when you're writing your uh, your full, uh, you know, the fuller works, that uh, you give it to your partner, you give it to a friend for feedback and all that stuff. Do you do that with jokes too, your comedy work? <clears throat> um, for jokes, I because. Um, at least before the pandemic, there was a right. I could live mic any night. Right. So it was more about that feedback, where it's like I will do, uh, I will try a new joke and then see how it works with an audience and then adjust it. And like, I do pitch my jokes to my partner because my partner. Um, also did comedy for much longer than I did. 
or I have been doing. So like I will pitch new premises to them just to be like, <laughs> do you think this is funny? But ultimately, I don't care what they say. <laughs> like it's more just like as a thing, as a conversation topic. Because like yeah, he's just he's there. Yeah, it, whether they say it's a good bit or if it's stupid, like I'm gonna try it on stage to see yeah. for myself. So that is more of my process for joke writing, especially because for me personally, and this is like a different, super different for all, for all different comics, I think. But like I said earlier, all of my jokes are so personal to me or like I know exactly how I want to tell a joke like whether or not I still know I like I have figured out the words or the timing or the joke structure for it like I have a really clear vision on how I want a joke to turn out so like joke feedback sessions have never fully um, worked for me because like other comedians pitching jokes to me I will just be like that makes no sense like yeah I'm like you don't know me <laughs> and and actually um I actually I'm a huge consumer of uh, stand-up so I watch a lot of like stand-up comedy specials and and also um a fair amount of like interviews that they give or you know or I forget what the what the shows were called, but there's this sort of roundtable type of show where there are a bunch of comics, they sit around, they talk, and, and they, you know, invariably talk about their process and, and, and all that. Um, and I also listen to Joe Rogan podcast a lot, and he often mm -hmm. talks about his own process. So, yeah, so I, I do, you know, and I, I, think, I think it's sort of universal that, um, I mean that comics tend not to especially the the more seasoned ones they tend not to try out their jokes to other comics um mm. i think it's really really more about getting the feedback from the audience because yeah. comedians mm. will sort of listen to the joke differently than a regular audience would you know and and i think like comics that I know will listen to a joke with their lens yes. know, because they also have their own idea of what they believe is good stand-up. Yeah. And like, sure, that can be true for them, but it's not for me. And I think also I have had experiences where, um, being a woman, a queer Asian woman in stand-up, uh, not as many <laughs> as I wish there were. And so a lot of the times I will get feedback from white men comedians being like, I don't think that joke works because it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> um, and I'm like, uh, this joke is not for you, sir. And and then I'll do the same bit at like a queer 
black indigenous and people of color show and it'll kill because it is a space that has more people who like see and experience the world in a closer sense that i do than the straight white men comics do so then it's like their feedback is not necessarily useful to me because their standard or like their expectations and with the things that they find funny are just like not even related to what I'm trying to say or like the experience that I want to give people. So it's kind of just like, I would rather follow my own instinct. I would rather see who in the audience is reacting in what way, like oftentimes I, I, I was really freed (laughs) when I really realized like who I do my stand up for Mm. where it's like, yeah, of course I want everybody to like me and to laugh. Okay. I'm human. (laughs) But when I like do a set and, um, women, especially women of color and queer people come up to me and are like you express something that I have been wanting to forever and you made me laugh like I could cry because that makes me so happy mm-hmm. and as long as like those people exist I don't care really if the people who aren't them mm-hmm. are like staring at me in confusion <laughs> you know um and and that like helped me get closer to the stand-up that I want to do more versus like trying to please everybody because you can't I'm not for everyone yeah (laughs) yeah and you know comedy uh, as much as I don't know other things is I mean humor sometimes I'm trying to think if there is something that's absolutely universally funny to everyone in every situation. Probably not. So farting, I think, is okay. Pretty close. <laughs> I think farts are pretty close. Fart, farts and poops. I think people love that shit. And fart anyone, jokes? anyone who is like, I'm above fart jokes. I'm like, you are a liar. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Bodily function jokes, yeah. Uh, um, because I guess, like, yeah, is there a single person on the entire earth who has not ever farted? Yes. Probably exactly. not. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, okay. No, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, humor is sometimes, uh, you know, like, it, it's, you know, that's why there are so many different kinds of comics out there because, um, you know, we all find different things funny. Uh, but at the same time, I think as a comic that if you like, you can't censor yourself, right? You can't say, oh, you know, maybe this is not funny to some people. So I won't make a joke about that. Or this mm-hmm. is a taboo subject. So I won't make a you know, joke about that. I, I think then you're doing a disservice to whoever audience might be yours. You know? Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. And I think, like, it it comes down to, like, what your really core 
values are, right? Because if, like, one, I think, I think that someone who, like, Let me find a way to articulate this. Like, you will never make a joke that you don't believe in if you truly believed in the things you make your jokes about. Okay, wait, say that Does again. That make sense? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, but say that again. Um, okay. You, like, one would could never make a joke about something that they don't believe if they really believe what they believe in and what they're telling the jokes about does that make sense okay right right so so uh which is why like it it works the other way where like if someone makes a racist joke yeah and they're like it was a joke I'm like, well, if you thought making a that joke was a good idea, there's probably like you're probably a racist. Like there's a part of your brain that uh. allows that racism to exist, which like of course a much hyperbolized clear example. But like it goes both ways where it's like a person who like makes a joke about a taboo subject matter if they truly believe that that is the joke that they have to tell and they believe that they have something important to say about it, then like they would, if they truly care about writing jokes and like believe in the responsibility that someone who stands on a stage with a microphone has. Yeah. Would, okay. Like make a joke, like a good joke even about a taboo subject yeah this is this is actually very interesting let's let's kind of get into it a little bit yeah. okay so if i'm hearing you correctly that if i tell a racist joke then there is some racist part of me that allows it to tell that joke yes like okay. if the joke so it's, if ultimately the it's another joke way. yeah or like the effect of the joke is or, or like what's quote-unquote funny Right. about that joke is the racism right. versus there are like satirical right. jokes that like spin its head on the history of racist jokes that have been told in America for yeah as long as comedy existed like that is possible by <laughs> I like this is such a like, we're doing like I, a I gymnastics thinking, yeah like <laughs> this is a the, conceptual gymnastics that we're doing yeah the concept is like complicated so i'm like i want to word everything well but i think it's like ultimately it's like do you mean what you said yeah uh so and so do you know what you're saying right so so um it's another way of saying there is there's a kernel of truth in every joke Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's just it's sort of an expanded, uh, more, uh, yeah, more text. Uh, we're saying that basically that with more texture. Um, so for the sake of argument, 
that a joke, a racist joke, uh, can be, uh, can come from not necessarily a racist perspective, but uh, a criticism of that perspective. Yes. So it's yeah. like, is it a racist joke? Is it a racist joke or a joke about the existence of racism? Right. 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 Sometimes, though, it's not. Sometimes, though, well, sometimes it's not clear. Mm hmm. Sometimes the audience actually take it the wrong way. That it's it's really a criticism about this, but then they take it as no, you are making fun of this, as yes. opposed to you're criticizing this. And yeah. I think that just like comes down to like, are we as comedian like can we as comedians do better and like, and this is my personal <laughs> opinion on comedy and I don't want people coming at me or comedians feeling like I'm attacking but like I like I guess it's like I would rather think the joke like if I'm gonna do a joke about a taboo subject I would rather fully think it through and make sure that it is really clear what I'm saying before I do that joke like and that's again the responsibility of making the choice to make that kind of joke because ultimately like yeah n n no one has to like there are enough jokes about race <laughs> that exist so unless it's like really new and like saying something that with a completely different perspective that is really important for that specific comedian to point out me personally, I'm like, why make, why take that mm. route? <laughs> like, so do you think that it's sort of like a, a cheap shot or like a low hanging fruit kind of thing? Like kind that of. they were lazy and it's just like creatively, creatively lazy. And that's something that's a quick laugh that they can get. And therefore they, mm -hmm. they can sort of, Okay, so is it really more that um, than the subject itself? Yeah, yeah, I think that it's it's like 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 we were talking about earlier. Like I really think that anything can be joked about. Yeah, but I also really think that if you want to joke about anything, and if there are specific things that you want to joke about, then you really need to know what you're doing where it's like you know um i guess i don't know if this is a good metaphor i just thought of it but <laughs> like there are surgeries that are harder than sure like some sort you know like someone who can do like a double eyelid surgery probably shouldn't suddenly do a heart transplant <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. 
Yeah. Like that. That is definitely. Oh my. I got really passionate. Pa Um, all right, I'm yeah. back. Um, but you know, like that, that is how I also feel about certain subject matters where it's like, for example, I, uh, have a series of jokes about the sexual assaults that I have experienced in my life. Um, content warning, but I like, I have been making those like kind of jokes in my life to like my friends or my partners, like when it comes up and it's like, eh. but I like didn't do any on stage mm -hmm. until I was probably at least three years in. Um, and I had like really, really written them and thought about them um and i still like am really have been really selective about when i work those jokes and like how to continually adjust them and like what spaces i do them in mm. because like it is a sensitive subject yeah you know yeah yeah um yeah so i think um Yeah. So, I mean, you are talking about uh, a topic where um, the event itself or the act, you know, itself uh, it invariably results in trauma. Right. And so mm -hmm. anyone who has experienced that uh, would be what could possibly be traumatized by a crass exactly. version of uh, a crass way of talking about that subject matter um yeah 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 no i i get it um i wonder though i mean yeah yeah no i i totally get where you're coming from um and you're right i mean there there is you know a, a well-crafted way of addressing that right i mean mm -hmm. if it's well crafted obviously you could tell that that person that comic put a lot of thought and time into it you know crafting that and it's told well poignantly and found the humor in it that mm -hmm. you know we could all relate to and and laugh about um now but here's the thing that takes a long time for a comic to work that out. Yes. 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 So I think, um, so I guess, I guess here's a question, right? Um, that, you know, when you're first starting out, you're not that refined. You're not that developed, you know, your, your comic sensibility and, mm -hmm. and, and your craft and all that. And, um, you know, and you're learning. And I hear, you know, uh, different ranges. Some people say like first 10 years, it takes 10 years to get really good. 
or it takes like 20 years to get really good or whatever. Everybody says it differently, but it's years. It's not months. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Um, And so, so then does that mean that a comic cannot even broach these sensitive topics until they get to a point where they're so seasoned that they will be able to uh, joke about it? Yeah. Um, I think, like, if if people want to crash and burn, yeah. Like, I guess it's up to you. <laughs> I I do. Like, I think to just be like careful, <laughs> or like say things that. Like, why would you say something into a microphone that you wouldn't say <laughs> to a person? You know, like, I think I have no idea. I have no idea why <laughs> well, exactly, comics exactly. do what they do. <laughs> there there are some people that I have seen and heard that are complete mysteries to me to just be like, yeah. why did you just think that was a good idea? So I think it, it ultimately, is, it's like, use good judgment rule the thumb i i guess what i'm saying is but isn't that part of the process too because you say you say stupid things and then the reaction is my goodness how could you even say that i'm like okay that's not working but but you know you know what i I mean yeah my hope is that like that all that happens and then uh that comic will learn from that experience and continue to grow i also know that a lot of the stand-up community that is still around right now is still really toxic and like masculine male whiteness (laughs) stuff going on so i've also seen comics say racist shit have audience like not react well or be upset at them and then the comic gets mad at the audience (laughs) right and like and that is kind of just the a common thing (laughs) that i have seen a lot and i'm and i think that it is important to not be like oh we're all gonna be like pc and nice and whatever yeah but it's also just like don't be stupid (laughs) (laughs) it it i don't know it's um (laughs) well yeah i mean there there's some uh economic uh principles that play into the comic and the audience, right? That, um, you know, if something doesn't pay off, then obviously that it, over time it doesn't, it's not repeated. And I mean, if you listen to comics, you know, 30, 40, whatever years ago, uh, they say different things. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, and taste changes, audience changes. But I think um, there is, though, um, so I think I personally, I mean, I'm not a comic, uh, I'm in the audience and I, 
even as an audience member, I lean more toward that, uh, you know, all's fair, you know, say whatever it is you want. Um, and, you know, if I don't like it, I won't listen to you, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so there is that sort of marketplace, that free market kind of economy that uh, that takes place. And if enough people don't listen to you, then <laughs> you're not going to get hired again. There's not going to be another, yeah. you know, special, uh, that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I think, um, like, I wouldn't necessarily tell um, anybody, especially uh, where speech is the is the medium or the product or you know it's it's what your words it's what you're saying like i wouldn't i wouldn't ever tell someone like don't make this joke or don't tell the joke that way or or whatever it's like no you say it Mm -hmm. and and i think um yeah yeah i think for me it's ultimately like craft it yeah it's like a, it's, like it's just definitely a craft put in some sort of effort please like i think that is where it comes down to yeah. where sometimes um because stand-up uh comes across as being very like free and like you're uh like the best comics sound like they're talking off the top of their heads even if it's material that they've been working on for years oh, and yeah. years and years, right? Yeah. Which I think often, and what you were saying earlier about like, yeah, but what about people starting out, I think is really valid. But there is this like part of me who is like, well, it's still a, an art form. It's still a craft. So like, sure at an open mic that you're paying for stage time like i guess you can try whatever that you want to try as long as it's not like hate speech (laughs) um but yes like i i'm like it's still something that yeah you have to work on like you can't just talk out of your ass and then expect any kind of um like reward from that experience so it's like like i you know art is the joke about race that you made a cheap racist throwaway line that like there was just no real reason for you to say other than you thought is an easy laugh or is it clear that you wrote it I think is like a very distinct difference. Yeah. So, so then, okay. So, uh, again, this is another sort of for the sake of argument. Mm-hmm. So let's say the person, the comic is, is genuinely racist. This is, this is his worldview. Right. And I said his word, this is their worldview. It could be a she. Um, and, uh, and so, but this is their thing. This is their truth and they're speaking to it. Now, I mean, it can be horribly offensive, right? Mm-hmm. And there's probably an audience that will laugh to it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I will say that there's a question in there somewhere. <laughs> I think that there is often a like freedom of speech yeah. is about people being protected from the government. <laughs> yeah. Like you people can say what they want and they like the government can't shut them down for it. So, yeah, so the freedom of speech is the way the first amendment reads is the that uh that there should shall be no law put in place shall be no law established or something to that effect uh that curtails or prohibits the freedom of speech religion press and so forth and so Mm -hmm. on um yeah so so inherent or implicit in that is we have that right and that government entities cannot you know put in place laws that in that like inhibit that or censor that in any way yeah yes but that doesn't mean that private entities such as a venue or a show producer ah, etc sure. cannot shut you down <laughs> or shut sure. the person in question down and i think that is like often confused in conversations surrounding freedom of speech or at least like ones that I have been in where people argue like I can say whatever I want because of freedom of speech where it's like no I can tell you to get off the fucking stage yeah um if you're the proprietor of that of that stage yes yes you could absolutely do that but but that sort of happens all the time you like you know you audition uh performers um well, I, actually, in an open mic, it's a little different where it's yeah. open to everyone. And um, and yeah, and for m- me, because like I like I like kindness. <laughs> I like people to be happy. I or I okay. I don't mind people being uncomfortable by the things yeah. I say. Yeah. But I want to mainly empower, right? Like me personally, I want people who feel like they have been the butt of the jokes mm. throughout their lives to feel like they can make the joke and that they do not have to be the butt of the joke, that they can be the powerful person in a joke dynamic, Mm -hmm. which is why I, like, which is what I try to um, keep at the forefront when I do comedy and write jokes. Mm -hmm. So when I see comedians who do jokes that tear people down, I'm like, I don't like you. (laughs) Mm. like I'm not saying that like I personally like of course you're alive and the world exists and you're a part of it and that sucks and I'm allowed to not like you (laughs) yeah no absolutely Like, like that's just how I feel I like 
I don't think you're contributing to making the world a better place and therefore don't like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder though that if that is, um, I'm trying to think if, if that is purely a subjective opinion or if there's some sort of, because uh, somebody could say that about about you and your your art form as well. That, oh, for sure. Yeah, a lot of people don't. Yeah, like some of the that that things. comedy, the role of comedy and the purpose of comedy is to shake things up, is to, um, you know, to push that envelope, is to, um by making fun of it what they're doing is sort of waking people up um yeah to i think i also yeah. just like don't think that sh uh shock value that comes from just purely because we're talking about racism like other taboo subjects kind of different but shock value that comes from racism is not like pushing the envelope or interesting or new at this point in history like anything that like any kind yeah. of racist sentiment that someone yeah. can have the audacity to stay on stage yeah like i think is or like has been said passe um and is not actually adding to a envelope pushing conversation because it has just been the general mindset of the in power population for so many years and i think that's like the main thing about that topic right so just just to clarify uh that um so are you making making a distinction between racist joke and jokes criticizing racism yes of course oh, okay okay yeah, yeah so yeah. so yeah so i think i think um any so but here's the thing right that that very often I mean, we're saying, you know, we're we're talking about racism as a, for example, but it could be anything, right? Mm -hmm. It could be any kind of uh, cultural or social or political or religious thing uh, that you could be criticizing. Um, but so sometimes, though, the criticism um, can be uh, construed by the audience as not criticism but inappropriate or shock value or you know or lowbrow or or whatever right i i think though i think you and i both know if something is really well thought out and well crafted we'll recognize it for what it is that it's a, exactly which yeah. is why i like go back to saying that if you if like a comic wants to do a joke that criticizes racism but then is misconstrued by the audience as being a racist joke then they should 
just go home and rewrite it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like that's Keep the problem, you know. Um, they probably shouldn't do it the exact same way again. <laughs> like that's probably not the right move. Um, and that's what it is. You know, that's you know, the craft portion yeah. of it. What what I find interesting is so a lot of comics will go to these open mics and, and you know and test out their material and and you know and that's part of the process too. You test it out in front of an audience, you refine the mm-hmm. joke, come back and test it out again. You keep doing that until like it really hits all the points that you wanted to. Um, now, uh, but here's the thing: that audience, your test audience, is a self-selected audience, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. this is not the mass population. So yeah. mass population is a lot more diverse in terms of uh, uh, worldviews and opinions and taste. Um, mm-hmm. But totally. people who go to comedy clubs, right, they go to hear edgy things, funny things, shocking things very often. Uh, yeah. and I think that they're more open. They're more open, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your average comedy club audience is is more open in terms of like, you know, um, in terms of accepting different viewpoints. Yeah, and and then I think that goes back to just like, like use your head, you know, <laughs> like you have one. You, there are different venues with different audience spaces, and you want to make sure that you know what's up that you like uh fit your material to that space and of course that's why people want an abundance of material so that they can like adjust their like the bits that they do or like how they do it to the different venues or like the audience shapes you know like i wouldn't do a set even if it's the same jokes a set that's for 10 people and a set that's for 50 people is like just a different piece Mm. you know like Mm. you would do it differently one would do it differently so similarly like a show that is in a dive bar in east village (laughs) probably at like 11 p.m different vibe (laughs) They're all then, drunk, so they, they'll laugh at anything. Yeah. I will probably do different jokes compared to a show at, like, a, a women, like, the new woman space in Williamsburg at yeah. 6 p.m. You know, like, it's a different space with a different room and i think a really big part of like just doing stand-up that other than being like telling jokes or writing them and performing them is the ability to like shape the atmosphere of Mm -hmm. the room you're working yeah yeah I think I think knowing your environment, knowing your audience is definitely part of the performance. And if you're not not attuned to that, then then I don't think you're a good comic. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So then yeah. like that is kind of my response to your earlier question about like the 
comedy club going audience versus like the general public but there are some comedy shows that not comedy club audience are at or there are like me doing a show at a comedy club comedy club versus me doing a set at my friends like sustainable fashion symposium that they just (laughs) wanted like entertainment in the middle of <laughs> you know, it's it's really different. But like as yeah. a comic, we want to be able to be adaptive to that. And, and you know, there are some. I know there are comics who are like, I just want to be a club comic for the rest of my life. I don't know if they still exist, like in my generation. But like that is also a thing. And if like that's your space, and if like you just want to tell um, jokes about the difference between men and women to tourists for the rest of your life like i guess like that's <laughs> what you want to do but but i don't want to do that <laughs> yeah yeah and here's the thing i mean i i think uh I, I don't know if you're being overly critical or or or, or not but um but you could you know in the music space there's um there's a lot of crappy songs out there <laughs> that people have actually recorded and produced and did, yeah. like music videos. I'm sure. Oh no, there there are a ton, and you wonder like, how did this ever get sold? Um, you know, so you know, but if this is what they want to do, like whatever, you know, more, you know, whatever. It, exactly. I'm like, I wouldn't criticize them. I mean, yes, I would. And like, <laughs> this is such a crappy song. Um, but but I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say that like they have no business doing what they're doing. Um, yeah. I would scratch my head as to like how they ever made money doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know yeah. yeah. I think for me, I'm just like I don't want to be you. <laughs> like we are realities are not <laughs> like <whatever>. yeah. <laughs> yeah but i mean that that's a prerogative um and you know i think yeah yeah we all have different tastes different worldviews and and stuff um so yeah different experiences certainly um cool so you know what i just realized this entire time we actually did not get to eat the beer cake so let's i know do that well now. i like dropped mine onto the ground oh did you <laughs> remember oh, no. earlier when i was making a mess it, it's on the ground okay well, i like picked it up but i'm like well, <laughs> well here's mine yay well did you make them i did so this is um so it's this okay is... i only i dropped a slice so i'll eat the rest okay later. Yeah. So the story behind beer cake. So this is something that um, this is this is the first cake I learned how to make. I'm going to eat one. And um, the recipe came down from. I recently found out came from our grandmother. Mm -hmm. I always thought it came from my, my aunt. And. Sorry. No worries. Chewing and talking at the same time. Um, and I thought the story go- went like this. That my aunt went to a restaurant, had a piece of beer cake, liked it so much, asked for the recipe, 
brought it home, started making it, and then passed it down to us. Mm-hmm. Now, I told this story to my sisters and my cousins, so my uh, cousins, uh, my aunt's children, mm-hmm. and not a single person remembers any piece of the story. So, <laughs> so either I made it up, you know, and told it to myself that it's true, or I dreamt it <laughs> and got confused between dream and reality, or my aunt told this story only to me and no one else. <laughs> Lots of theories. Well, yeah, but um, but you know, somehow that's the that's the memory I have, and it's a funny thing about memory. Um, uh, but since the rest of my family, the consensus is that it was our grandmother who started making it, uh, and they don't know where she got the recipe or if she made it up, um, and then, you know, and taught us, and that's how we all got to make it. So so this is a cake that for, for a while, our family made it often, and um, nice. yeah, yeah, so that's it. Yeah. It's actually a pretty good cake, um, and that's I so think... Cool. Well, and, and the thing is, even when I make it, I make it differently each time. And so mm-hmm. nobody has, no one has the definitive recipe. We all have our own version of it. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, and I don't send the cake out to everyone because then I'll be eating beer cake every week. <laughs> <laughs> I am honored. And here, I'll show that I have it. Yay. <laughs> I was really excited to eat it, but then earlier I caused a mess, so I didn't. I haven't gotten to, but I have the rest of the cake. So. Yeah, yeah, don't eat that one. Eat, you know, <laughs> eat the other one. Um, yeah, and if you're not going to eat it right away, since I did make it a few days ago, uh, maybe put it in the refrigerator so that it'll keep longer. Um, but anyway, yeah, we've been talking for about almost three hours. <laughs> Yeah, I think it went pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, it did. yeah. This this was good. I liked it. Um, there was one thing I actually also wanted to. Oh yes, I want to show everybody this because this is how Non and I met. Um, oh, share screen. So we used to go to this space called New Women's Space in in Brooklyn, and um, our mutual friend Steph uh, told me one day mm-hmm. that non that you know you were doing I think a monthly show or or no mm-hmm. uh, no twice a month twice a month yeah uh, comedy show uh, twice a month where you invited um, fellow comics and you guys all did like ten minutes a piece or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Steph told me that you may be looking for a musical guest. And I jumped on that and like, yay. And so uh, you and I we were going back and forth about it. And I had asked you, hey, do you have any like uh, like a something that I could use to promote on my social media? Um, yeah, here we go. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> Uh, it's not showing the whole thing. Uh, the whole thing. Oh no, it's not showing the whole thing. There's a, the bottom of it is cut off a little bit. Hold on a second. Let me see if I could expand this. 
Mm, I don't know if that's better. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, no. No, okay. Oh, yeah, you can see it. No, you know what it is? Uh, my, the thing is, whole, uh, never mind. Yeah, you can see the whole thing. <laughs> it's just that I can't see it. Uh, oh, okay. The, the control panel is oh, hiding right, right, a piece right. of it. Anyway, so, so I had asked Nan for this collateral so I could use, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting, and I come from a corporate background, and so, like, you know, I, I kind of have this a bit of impatience, like, <laughs> if I ask for something. No, 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 it's, it's not your fault. You did eventually give me one with my name on it, but... But I, I saw this on your social media, so I just uh, downloaded that picture and inserted my own picture in it. <laughs> and this is what I did. And I was afraid that you might get upset, so I didn't tell you. I showed it no. to you. I, I don't know. I kind of figured, well, she's a comedian, so she'll probably find it's funny. <laughs> but I did eventually show you this, and you laughed. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so this is... This is my humor. <laughs> it's great. You saved me some work. <laughs> uh, well, you did eventually put my name in there and uh, yeah. in, in nice, pretty pink. Yeah, uh, I think I have. I think I have. a. Yeah, this is it. There you go. Yay. My name in print. <laughs> yes. Uh, these nonsense promo photos oh they're awesome here let me show you another one that I downloaded ooh very risque <laughs> yes uh, yeah the ones for the promo photos that I made for nonsense were like I was trying to do like funny pinup like making like <laughs> silly pinup photos that <laughs> were like all done in my apartment like bedroom so they're like low budget pinup photos but like yeah. kind of earnest uh, <laughs> so they're really silly you can see more on my instagram there's also a nonsense show instagram if you want to check that out even though we are not currently up and running <laughs> but de no definitely check out our instagram so yeah so where can people find you uh you can find me on Instagram, as we have been talking about and Deja showed you earlier, at Nyanchate, N-Y-A-N-C-H-A-T-T-E. And then on Twitter, I'm at non of your business, where it's at N-O-N, like my name. And then business is spelled B-I-Z-N-E-S-S. -S. Not to confuse people. <laughs> Not to be. Business was taken. Okay? Ah. Someone had taken it. Um, and then, yeah, my website is my full name on Kuromoto.com if you want to see the other stuff that I do. But if, yeah, if you're just interested in staying up to date or like seeing fun pictures of me, <laughs> then definitely Instagram. Oh, there you um, go. And I'll have, uh, I'll have those, uh, all that information in the description section, uh, under this video on YouTube. Because that's, that's where this video will live. And it will be in the description. So if you check out the description, there will be all kinds of links. Uh, including where you can find Nan. So, Follow yeah. Me. Support my work. <laughs> yeah, support her work. Support this podcast. 
Um, yeah, we artists, we need support. <laughs> yeah. Especially now. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, was there something else? No? I don't know. Yeah, so earlier, earlier, I, I said something and then I sort of like stuck in. I, I decided this is going to be my thing, that there's a question in there somewhere. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that, that I, you know, I decided I'm gonna work that uh, phrase in every episode somewhere. It. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that's my thing. Because like sometimes I have these really long preambles to a uh, to a question that sometimes by the end of that preamble I forget the actual question, and so I end up saying there's a question in there somewhere, and usually the person I'm talking to like understands what I, where I'm trying to go and and you know picks it up and, and responds. So yeah, I mean, I need to have some sort of a catchphrase, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. good to have a catchphrase. Yeah, sounds like there might be dinner coming soon. I don't know. I hear something, like on your end, somebody's in the kitchen. I don't know. My roommate's making food. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's been fun. This yes, is, was it really... was so good seeing you and catching up with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Keep me posted and on stuff that you're doing. And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. and I'm looking forward to your album whenever it may come. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping. Um, well, I think if I kind of focus, maybe I'll be able to finish it. I'm not gonna say this year. Maybe next year. Hopefully. Um, nice. Well, finances is the other factor too. Like mm. it takes it takes money. Um, yep. Also to produce the album. Although I I could possibly do a DIY, but I'm not really a musician. Musician, um, like my guitar playing kind of sucks. Um, people say I should I should stop saying that, but it does. <laughs> yeah. JJ, so, if at my guitar playing level, yeah, I produced and released an album on Bandcamp over the summer. You oh. are an incredible guitar player. No, no. That deserves everything. Oh, that's the other thing. Bandcamp. Okay, so yeah. Uh, I don't think you sent me the Bandcamp information. So send that to me and I'll put it in the description as well. Okay. Yeah. No, I definitely want to check it out. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been yes, fun. Thank you. Yes, yes. So uh, thank you, everyone. Please follow Beer Cake uh, with JJ Co. Uh, at Beer Cake Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can fo follow just one of them because it's basically the same information that's on all of them. Uh, I'm lazy that way. And, um, and then you, if you want to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm, patreon.com, or buymeacoffee.com. I'm everywhere. <laughs> All right. That thanks, car everyone. horn came in at like burr, burr, burr. <laughs> just in time. That was perfect. Yeah. All right. On that note, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.